Hi, everyone. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And this is Josh Mahek with some Dateline. Yes. Ah! <laughs> we didn't even prompt you. You're just that much of a pro. I just can't stop myself when I'm on date with Dateline. <laughs> oh, so good. Welcome back. Thank you so much for coming. With the hanky. Yes, uh, thank you. Yes, I'm, uh, uh, I'm, it's the pandemic edition or one you're, of many. You're sans yes. hanky. Yes. So yes. quarantine Josh is sans hanky. First of all, how are you doing in the pandemic? I am, okay. I am staying uh, home and inside uh, as everyone should be. And um, I'm only going out occasionally for a walk and then uh, once a week to go food shopping when I wear my mask and gloves, like I'm about to knock over the place. Mm -hmm. Right. And otherwise, I am uh, I'm home doing dishes a lot of the time. Do you have yeah. a hanky that matches your mask and your gloves? Um, I think that would be essential, wouldn't it? I mean, <laughs> I mean you know, you're going to want to accessorize mask, gloves, hanky. I mean, that's it was a basic. dumb question. Yeah. yeah. <gasps> I think it's a great question. It's it's the question on everyone's mind is what it is. He probably doesn't synchronize, I'm just saying, but I do. Doesn't match his converse to his mask, we don't think. He is uh, Keith is one of those people who is effortlessly well dressed. That's one of the great <laughs> I see that. I can see that. Have you been approached, by the way, speaking of hankies, to start your own hanky line? Has this been a pocket square? Yeah, very interesting question. Uh no, not at all. Not by anyone. What if a tiny company called Mark KT and Kimberly are going to start a hanky <laughs> line for you? <laughs> um, uh, I'm sure, um, well, I'm sure we could have discussions about that. I have a feeling NBC might have uh, some issues. I have a feeling. We'll write up a business proposal. It's probably not going to go anywhere, but <laughs> we are always delighted by your hankies. They're always on point. I just bought a ton of them, a ton being about a dozen, right before the, the gate slammed shut. So I haven't worn them yet. So they're just yeah. sitting there in their package, just waiting. They're just sitting there waiting, yes. Yeah. Okay, so let's jump in. Let's start with some fun questions, and then we'll move quickly. We have some pretty detailed questions about some of your latest episodes that have aired and some old episodes. Are these questions from your listeners or from the two of you? These are no, questions from... No, we don't from... talk to our listeners. This is yeah, strictly from Except us. that Kimberly talks to them constantly. I <laughs> yeah, me too. But I see on Twitter, you're talking to them every day. It's so. literally every all day. I do. The Except in that, yes. Okay. <laughs> These are just things that maybe you might remember about certain episodes that we couldn't figure out that you probably know the answer to, and we're not being very smart. It's probably what it is. But um, first of all, you said you're washing a lot of dishes. Does this mean that you're cooking at home? And if so, what are you cooking? Uh, we are cooking at home. Um, my wife is doing most of the cooking, although I do pitch in. But primarily, uh, we... Um, uh, we, we've split it up in that she cooks and then I eat and then I, <laughs> I, clean, I clean up. And uh, something I did not know, uh, she's turned out to be a wonderful cook and um, wow. kind of a surprise. And so we've been, um, she cooks everything from uh, um, Vietnamese dishes from her childhood to we're just uh, the other day made something, made a recipe that appeared on the Today Show website, which huh. is a dish served by the uh, restaurant Moza here in Los Angeles, which it's apparently the dish they make for their staff lunch every day before they open. And it's a it's a chicken dish, which was wonderful. Oh, that's amazing. It's on the Today Show website. Look up Today Show and Moza. I'm actually writing it down. That's great. Are you missing your steak, though, or are you just having home steak? We are having home steak. Uh, okay. I do miss going to steakhouses, but we are um, we're uh, we're 
cooking steaks and um and so far the you know it's been great got it when this is over what is the first restaurant you're gonna go to yeah oh the first restaurant i'm gonna go to is almost certainly gonna be the palm mm-hmm. uh in uh in beverly hills or what else langers uh in the macarthur park area of la langers the deli yeah, Langer's with, with the pastrami. Oh, with the incredible. It's unbelievable. Melt in your mouth. It's just the best. Kimberly, if you ate meat, it's like it's next <laughs> level. It's like my birthday sandwich. It's the best thing in the world. If yeah. it were, it, 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 the only thing that keeps me from going there every two or three days is the fact that it's a very long way from where I live. Yeah. Um, um, and there's no parking. Uh, no parking. If that were closer, I would be there all the time. It is yeah. transcendent. It's so good. It's he's not he's not kidding. It's like top of the top. Yes. Kimberly, you will have to eat pickles and that's it. Do they have like egg just, salad? Yes. I love egg salad. I'm there. Okay. Then yeah. you can do that. It's so good. I'm into you. I love delis. I just don't Yeah, you like it. Uh, I might go to the uh, the Grill on the Alley is a wonderful place. I uh, I used to go there with my grandmother when I was when when, when she was alive. And now Nate and Al's, which is so once was so iconically wonderful Mm -hmm. um, here in Los Angeles, is I think gone for good. Yeah, I read that. It's so sad. Yeah. One of the hardest things about this time for sure. What I'm going to do when this is over is, I mean, it's. It's less where I'm going to go than what I'm going to do. I mean, I can't wait to see my family again. I can't wait to see all my friends again. Yeah. And frankly, I mean, when it's safe to do it, I'm looking forward to, you know, getting on a plane again and going to cover more stories. I just don't have any idea when that's going to be. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody does. Yeah. Do you have stories that were like halfway or? Yeah. Well, you know, every trial we were covering at Dateline, like stopped, you know, um, sort of halfway through or, you know, at some point. And. So those have to start up again, and then there have to be, you know, verdicts. And then we sort of start going out and gathering, um, and we don't know when all that's going to happen or also when when we're going to feel, you know, safe putting our people back out in the field or when people that we interview, you know, uh, prosecutors, cops, sure. families, victims' friends, defendants' friends and family, when they're going to feel comfortable sitting down with us. And that's all just this big unknown because it's not like – the day after, you know, it's first of all, it's not going to be like there's going to be some national all clear, like, mm-hmm. okay, right on Wednesday, everybody back to their regular life. Mm-hmm. You know, some people are going to feel comfortable, some people aren't, and it's going to be a while before we get all that sorted out. So we're looking mm-hmm. at reruns, lots of reruns. You're looking at reruns, and you're also, we're looking at ways to freshen up uh, stories that have already run. Uh, Love that. Yeah. Like maybe, you know, including in the story some of the behind the scenes stuff that might oh, be yeah might be the, the grist of a podcast in other instances you know so halfway through you know the dateline hour or two hours you'd hear me say you know okay here's the thing you need to know this guy originally wanted ten thousand dollars to talk to us and we said no and then we went back and forth with him for months and then finally we said okay we're going to go ahead without you because we're not going to pay and then at the last minute he said okay and so this is that interview so we might do that. Oh, I love that. That'd be so yeah. cool. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think that would work, but but we haven't quite decided how to do it, with which yeah. stories to do it, and also, of course, TV is finite. If you do that, we just left out about thirty-five seconds of the story. So if we're going to do that, then I got to make sure that what we left out 
doesn't make you think, wait, what just happened? Right. You know, right. Okay. He's saying that because you didn't, we didn't, now we didn't mention finding the abandoned car because I was doing the explanation during that point. I so think... we got to make sure that if, that if we shoehorn stuff, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I mean, the daylight's got to last the same amount of time. Mm-hmm. So, right. You know, if we take stuff out you, and put stuff in, you got to be careful of what you take out. Also, you're yeah. underestimating how much wine people drink when they're watching Dateline. Um, you know, I was fascinated the other day. I don't know if this has anything to do with wine, but you were talking about the podcast on Twitter, and somebody said, "Oh my God, is this a story they did in Houston with that, 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 that?" that? And they had all the details, yeah. like right at the end of their time. They're like, "Yeah, that's who we're talking to." Yeah, exactly. That's who we're talking to people like yeah. us. Yeah, people like Kimberly. <laughs> <laughs> Remembers but everything. I love the drunk tweeters that are like, "I was in the bathroom. Who's this chick?" And I'm like, yes. that's the yeah. victim. Okay, you yeah. don't, okay. You're yeah. just not, that you're very a, confused. That's okay. That should be a t-shirt, by the way. We like say date, date line on the back. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's really good. I'm writing that down. Yeah. Mark KT. Okay, got it. <laughs> Done. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Another question that we had. I actually stumbled upon a story today from the New York Times about you and your wife. It was the story of how you met. Could you tell our listeners how you met your wife? That get, was that in the paper today? Or no, it just I was looking. I was actually looking up um, details about the podcast, and that story came up in the feed. And I was like, "This is a delightful story." It was really sweet. It's a great story. Um, yeah. I was um, on my way uh, to Sacramento for a story, and um, and I was at LAX. I was in the uh, security line at. Uh, at Southwest and Terminal One at LAX. And this was uh, before uh, TSA pre-check and clear. So the lines were extremely long. There was a tra- uh, sort of a veteran traveler's line and then there was a regular line, but it didn't make any difference. They were both really long. And mm-hmm. so I got stuck, uh, I got in this line, which had like, like 50 people in it and was moving glacially. And one person ahead of me uh, was this woman who was very attractive. And I started talking to her after I'd spoken several sentences. She sort of kind of looked at me and I thought, okay, well, we're like almost having a conversation now. And then we talked a little bit more. And then she started what were answering. these sentences? How is the weather? Uh, or man, I this line is moving glacially. I started, I started asking her, um, you know, uh, she's, I, I could tell that she seemed, uh, you know, she was kind of looking, you know, kind of like, how long is it? You know, that look when you look down the line, like, why isn't this moving yes. faster? You know? Yeah. Who's holding it up? Yeah. And so I sort of said, like, oh, when's your flight? You know, you, you, you know, and she goes, well, it's, you oh, know, it's good. in 45 minutes or it's in an hour or whatever. She goes, I don't know how long it's going to take. Like, this should be fine. I've been here a lot of times before. You'll, you'll, you'll make it. I mean, you won't have a ton of time, but you'll make it. And, uh, and so then I don't know, she, she was going to Las Vegas for a, a sales convention um, she was with an internet company at the time, and uh, and I, I said I was going to Sacramento, but I don't even think I told her why. And we chatted, but I mean, look, I was under no illusion that this was going anywhere. This very clearly was not going anywhere. I mean, she was not repelled by me, but she wasn't <laughs> in the least bit interested. Uh-huh. Um, so... She did um, not yeah. know that you were royalty, Sir Hanky yeah. with the hanky. Did she know who you were? No, that seemed to have eluded her. I don't think she was a Dateline viewer. <laughs> Got it. So, and, and that didn't come up either. I didn't say what I did or why I was going to Sacramento. Um, mm-hmm. 
And so we chatted for a little bit. And then at the end of the line, which was probably another 20 minutes, I do remember thinking when we were talking, I remember thinking, wow, this is great. Because if this were a party or a bar, you would just say, well, it's been very nice talking to you. And that would be the end of that. And I would never see her again. And I remember thinking, you can't leave. So I did roll out what I thought was my A material. Uh, (laughs) And I did make her laugh a couple of times. Um, but again, I did not think this was go. I was pretty sure this was not did not have any future to it, mm-hmm. because she was polite and tolerant, but she was clearly not fascinating. <laughs> and so then at the end, we go through the metal detector. She goes through first. I go through second. And I turn around just to say, "Have a good flight." And she's vanished. She's already gone, like Brigadoon. <laughs> and I remember thinking to myself, "Wow!" We're looking back and forth to my right and left. I'm thinking, like, "Wow." That really went nowhere. Good for you. <laughs> so, so then I forget all about it, right? I, I had an hour and a half before my flight or something. So I, I go to Starbucks. I'm pushing my bag around the airport. I'm just killing time. And I look up, and there she is in line, sort of boarding on Southwest, you know, where you kind of shuffle forward as the people ahead of you get on, and then you get on. And I think, I'm like, well, this is your opportunity. And I I, I wanted to feel like I'd kind of played every card in the deck. Okay. So, because I didn't think it was going anywhere. But I did walk up to her and I gave her my card. And she was on the phone at the time. So we couldn't oh. have any more of a conversation, which to uh-huh. me was a, a enormous relief. Now, I did not, never have had enough game to say, why don't we get together sometimes? So I just gave her my card with the implicit, you know, uh, you know, idea being, you know, if you ever want to get together, this is, you know, how you reach me. But I, like, I didn't say anything. I just handed her the card. She goes, mm-hmm. oh, thanks very much. And then she, and I remember thinking, like, everybody's laughing at me right now. So I step back. And I, again, I think to my, I remember thinking to myself, that card is not getting on the aircraft. That card will be. Oh, you think she's just. Yeah, in the jetway. That card is not going to Las Vegas with her. So um, I go to Sacramento. Um, I was either interviewing the mayor of Sacramento, uh, Kevin Johnson at the time, or I was going there to talk to Chandra Levy's parents. I did both those trips oh. about the same time. I can't remember which one of those it was. And um, and she apparently, I didn't know this, she apparently went to Las Vegas, met up with some of her friends, and the topic of Dateline came up. And T, my wife now, said, oh, that's weird. I just met somebody from Dateline. And her friend's like, who? And T says, I don't know, Josh something. And her friend <laughs> says, you met Josh Mahankowitz? <laughs> Yeah, I think that's the name. You should call him. So <gasps> so weeks later, weeks later, like I, I think like four or five weeks later, um, the phone rings and I pick it up and this voice says, hi, I met you at the airport. Well, of course, by then I'd been to like six airports. <laughs> oh, gosh. I'm thinking, I didn't meet anybody at the airport. And she's like, no, 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 I met you at the airport and we were talking. I'm thinking like, I don't talk to anybody at the airport. <laughs> right? And she goes, no, no, we were talking at the airport and you gave me your car. I'm thinking like, and I don't give anybody my car. You don't remember. No, I was thinking that she was from what, the airline. Like, I met you at the airport and you left something behind. Oh, okay. Like, like because I, I never speak to anybody most of the time. And then all of a sudden, like, I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> you? 
So, um, so I had uh, I had read her name uh, upside down off her luggage tag while we were standing there, and uh, and so I had her name. And then when I got to a computer next, I Googled her name, and what I didn't realize is that she doesn't have a particularly uncommon name. Dang, in the in Vietnamese culture, is a very common last name, uh-huh. and. Um, and so I found a woman who was a real estate agent, like somewhere in Southern California. I remember thinking to myself, that's not what she said she did. Is that her? Like, it's not a very good picture. It could be, but I don't think it is. And then I thought, why are you doing this? Like, you gave her your card, and she's not going to call you. So stop thinking about this. So I stopped doing research into it. Then she calls out of nowhere. Then we went out. Then four and a half years passed, during which time we were both involved otherwise unbelievable and and then um and then in july of 2013 well this is re- you're gonna be regretting you asked such a long story aren't you no, no i like it. it yeah everyone wants to hear it uh, july 4th i was driving over to my brother's house in santa monica where he lived at the time and i was taking a shortcut and i'm driving down one of the streets and i'm thinking like you know who used to live on this street is T. Dang. I wonder how she's doing. I knew she didn't live there anymore. I wasn't sure whether she was married or what her situation was. Mm-hmm. I, I knew she had moved to, to Orange County, um, and I didn't know that she whether she'd come back or not to L.A. Um, I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to call her because I was single at the time. So I called her, and and then on July 5th we went out, and and that's how it stuck. Yeah, and now uh, and this this uh, in a, two weeks we'll have been married for four years. Oh, that's great. Congratulations. That's so sweet. Because of the, thank you, TSA. That's all <laughs> I have to say. Because today, with PreCheck and Clear, mm-hmm. both of which are worth your money if you travel. Oh, yeah. I would have walked through the airport. I would have thought, well, that woman's very attractive. And that would be that. I get the point. Yeah. <laughs> now, is yeah. has the quarantining together strengthened or uh, hindered been, the relationship? It's been great. You know, she runs a, a healthcare company. So she's been... And all the rules for healthcare workers in California have, have, have are changed or are in flux because of, of not just because of COVID, but because of all the all the stuff that's been done since then mm-hmm. uh, to try to uh, uh, prop up businesses. So she's she's busier than she was before. Oh. Um, I'm probably less busy than I was before. But on the other hand, like I've been working pretty much full time on this podcast recently, so that's that's been a good thing. What podcast? Tell us about this podcast. Well, this podcast. <laughs> uh, let's see. Today is Tuesday, right? When we're yes. So the day after tomorrow, the first two episodes are available of the um, of the Datelines only our third original podcast. Wow. It's called Motive for Murder. Yes. And it's available wherever you get your podcasts. The first two episodes are available Thursday, May the seventh, and then we're going to release one episode every Thursday. Um, until all six are out there in the podcastosphere. So now how much are you allowed to talk about it? Yeah. And 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 we're I'm actually still we actually still haven't completely finished it. Um, <laughs> um I just finished writing episode six last week and then there's the you know the usual dateline process of uh, trimming and editing and fact checking and so we have to go through all that. But um it's a pretty good story. It is a story that many of your listeners here at Date Dateline will remember. It is the story that uh, ran, I believe, in September of last year. It was called Deliberate Evil when it ran. Mm-hmm. And it is the story of two murders in the Houston area that were not connected in the sense that they did not occur on the same day in the same place. They happened 10 months apart in different parts of Houston. But there were things about them that made them seem almost irretrievably connected. And the challenge for law enforcement was to figure out what that connection was 
and who it was and why it was. Because as you know, as I know you know, and as I know all of your audience knows, like, you know, there are some very familiar motives on Dateline. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the husband, it's the wife, it's the boyfriend, it's the girlfriend, it's the spouse of the boyfriend or the girlfriend. Um, it's somebody doing it for the insurance money. Mm -hmm. Yep. Custody. Yep. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, and this doesn't fit any of the basic themes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the original title, my original title for this uh, podcast was Love, Money, Pride. I have a friend who's a homicide detective, uh, now retired, who uh, who told me once that uh, that all murders can be classified as love, money, or pride. Uh, maybe not all murders, but, but a significant number of murders. Mm -hmm. And that once you figure out which it is, then you've come a long way to figuring out who it is. So love, obviously, you know, I don't love you, I love her. Uh, right. You know, um, you know, money, I don't, you know, I want the insurance money, or I'm not going to pay you alimony anymore. Mm -hmm. um, you know, or pride, you know, you're, I don't like the fact that you're with somebody else or you're, you know, maybe I don't love you anymore, but you're not going to marry anybody else. You're mm -hmm. not going to, you're not going to get this house away from me. Mm -hmm. So love money pride was originally my sort of working title for this. And then that evolved into motive for murder, which is also sort of, you know, telling you what the challenge was for law enforcement was to figure out what was the motive because it just didn't seem clear. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. facts that fit one murder did not match the suspects. The, uh, the, they didn't fit the list of suspects for the other murder. This took a very long time to solve, and a lot of different law enforcement agencies uh, wow. worked together on it. And it was, um, uh, it's, it's quite a story. It is. This was an episode our listeners might remember where you famously quoted Tolstoy, and <gasps> this we is the decided that a group of hot cops and FBI candy is called a swarm. <laughs> So we both uh, it's called a made, swarm? Yeah, we decided Ooh. that. So intellectually we both made some strides in this episode, is what I'm trying <laughs> to say. Well, yeah. I'm all for knowledge. Um <laughs> uh, I do remember the Tolstoy quote. Yeah, I forgot about that. That was good. I didn't realize this was that episode. This was that episode, wasn't it? Yeah, a fa mm -hmm. families being miserable. Right, or something. Oh, right, right, right. Can we ask you a couple questions about the episode? Sure. And you'll tell mm -hmm. us if you can't say. Well, first I, of all, the number one question is, are you and Keith trying to take our jobs? Because you guys already have jobs. And oh, so we shouldn't be getting into podcast. Is that what you're saying? Well, if you get a warning sign or something on your doorstep, then you'll know you've gone too far. But... What's the warning sign? Like a microphone broken in half? Yes. What is that? What dead, the dead, a dead yeah. fish wrapped in a <laughs> microphone cord. Yeah. Um, first of all, I mean, these things. You know, my hat is off to you and all the other podcasters that I know, because, you know, this is so difficult. <laughs> this is it's such a it's such a marathon to get one of these things together and on the air. Now, OK, you don't have a network standards and practices department vetting sure. everything. Very you true. Say. Very true. We go through some hoops that maybe other people don't have to go through. But yeah, it takes a very, very, very long time to tell a story the way a lot of true crime podcasts do. And of course, we have to do that, which that being the podcast, as well as our other jobs, which is being on Dateline. Mm -hmm. And many of you uh, in the podcast world have to do that podcast and do your other job, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. And uh, so my uh, my uh, Dateline cap is uh, is off to all of you. <laughs> well, if you need is... any tips 
from some uh, I, amateur podcasters. I, don't come to us. We have none. Don't come to us if you. Yeah, <laughs> you don't. We have none for you. We have zero tips. Yeah, um, uh, I think there's room for everyone. Yeah, the podcast. No, we're so excited. Space. Let me let me just say this as we're talking about this now. The um this was the most fun um because you know. Even at two hours of Dateline, there's stuff you have to leave out. Oh, yeah. You're not getting everything in, even at two hours long. And in a podcast, I mean, frequently in Dateline, I think to myself, you know, we can talk a little bit about, we can describe why the sentence for this crime was different from the sentence for that crime or why they why they charged him with this because this was easier to prove even though the bigger crime went uncharged, you know, something like that. But then I think, like, if I do that, I'm going to talk for a minute and 45 seconds. Mm -hmm. Right. And like that on TV uh, doesn't work. Yeah. Got it. So I'm like, we'll figure out a way to shorten that. And we'll just say he was charged with kidnapping, even though the primary crime was murder. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But in a podcast, if you want to explain something cool or interesting about the criminal justice system or about this case, you have the time to do it. And it doesn't matter whether the episode is 22 minutes long or 24 mm -hmm. minutes long or 31 minutes long. Mm -hmm. And that's a luxury that you do not have on television. Mm -hmm. And honestly, it's really exciting that Dateline has started to do these podcasts because I'm a true crime lover in like, and a true crime podcast aficionado. So it's great to get to hear extra stuff that you had to leave. It's great to hear yeah. it in more detail what happened in some of these and cases. And just your regular Dateline podcast, like people are so excited to be able to take you guys with them everywhere they go, hear your voices mm -hmm. on the go. They love that. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think it's pretty clear that we should have been doing, you know, probably putting the audio up a long time ago, but we should have been doing these original podcasts for a yeah. long time because we really yeah. like them. One of the things that's going to come across in this is, first of all, we're going to have much more detail, granular detail of this story than we put on even at two hours of Dateline. And you're going to hear a lot of sort of what goes on behind the scenes when we're producing a, a Dateline episode, which we certainly aren't able to find time for um, uh, on the television program. So it, it's, it's, it's an opportunity to give the audience some things that they haven't heard before in addition to telling more fully a story that some people know, but a lot of people don't. Who picked this story? Well, the story itself was, I think, originally um, our producer, Ann Priceman, um, started covering this back in 2012 when the murders actually happened. This was before any arrests had been made. Mm -hmm. And so she, you know, we split up the country to all different regions and producers... Uh, you know, focus on different places. And so Houston is one of the places that Anne uh, keeps tabs on. And so she found out about this and made contact with a lot of the people in it early on, even though there was no, not even any suspect at that point. And I think it was before the second murder uh, even occurred because they were 10 months apart. And so she originally, I, I think, got this going with Dateline. Um, and then we were sort of trying to figure out which story that I was doing uh, because Keith had already done the thing about Pam mm -hmm. and we're trying to figure out which of my many stories, either the ones I was working on now or the ones I had done in the past would sort of also translate to a, to a, a, a podcast format. And I think we sort of jointly decided that it was, uh, that this was it. It is an unbelievable story. Mm -hmm. We had the luxury of, we had the whole podcast team with us in the field in Houston. Um, oh. We did interviews sort of contemporaneously with our covering of the story for Dateline. So, you know, when I'm driving from 
you know, one Texas town to another to do an interview. I had podcast producers sitting in the passenger seat interviewing me while we drove across Texas. Oh, wow. So you are talking about behind the scenes stuff, like where there's more to the interviews that we saw on Dateline. Oh, and you'll wow. hear us sort of, you know, producing the story and preparing it and reporting it even as you hear it being laid out. Oh, I'm so excited. This sounds just I don't want to give away if people don't remember who the alleged murderer is, but yeah, like, your like that sit down in prison was one of the most memorable interviews you've done. Yeah, well, we talk a lot about that, about what that, that interview was like. That's sort of in part six of this is when they Can't wait. get to the, uh, the, um, the interview with the, uh, with the person held responsible. But it's, a, it's all a, a pretty good story of how you get from one place to another. And there are these great voices in there. You know, this happened in Houston. So you've got mm -hmm. a couple of guys who, whose voices are, you know, straight from central casting, a sheriff's detective and a Houston right. homicide detective. And it's like a, uh, you know, it's uh, it sounds like all those, like, sounds like a Coen Brothers movie. Yes. Oh, I love that. That's so great. Oh, my gosh. We're so excited. Uh, so let's move backwards really quick, if we could, to, you just had the house premiere. That was the one with Scott and his daughter, Kelly, and his wife, Anne. Uh, you broke the fourth wall in this uh, more than ever, perhaps in a very notable way where you're, sh you're, you have papers in front of you talking about the, all the police reports from the house. And you're um, flinging them down on the table, like one by one, very dramatic. Were those, act were those actually the police reports? Oh yeah, sure. There was actually, it was only a fraction of them. Uh, oh there, were, there were many, 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 many more. I mean, I had the feeling that in Laurel, Maryland back then, mm -hmm. if police officers had taken their hands off the steering wheel of their cruisers, the cars would have just steered straight to Scott and Ann's house. Wow. Uh, I mean, they'd been there so many times. Now, you'll remember that the day that Scott's body was found, Scott was a retired FBI agent, killed outside his house on a wood pile that fed this wood-burning oven that, that heated the whole house. He was covered up by a tarp, and he'd been shot, but then he'd also been beaten to death with what looked like a piece of wood, which police thought whoever it was had then just thrown in the oven to dispose of the murder weapon. Earlier that day, police, who'd been to the house many times, did a welfare check at the house at the behest right. of Scott's daughter, Kelly, and they didn't find Scott. And I think they also didn't go all the way around the property, yeah. in part because they'd been there so many times, you know, that I'm thinking they were just thinking like, oh my God, here we are again. Like, again? Again with this. Again, they're still fighting. Again, it's about the house. The, the, you know, one person's accusing another back and forth and back and forth. And I think it maybe numbed the cops a little bit to, you know, what, what might be there. Because ultimately, all this back and forth, accusations and, and, and charges being sworn out, and you saw the whole pile of them, yeah, that I was going through. Um, wow. That did not end up going nowhere. It ended up, uh, you know, leading to a, uh, a murder. Well, the question, of course, is whether the murder was actually connected to any of that stuff, because, mm -hmm. you know, nobody was ever convicted of that crime. Are they looking into it still? Do you know? I mean, look, they, I mean, I mean, the cops and the prosecutors uh, are, you know, convinced that Anne Allen got away with murder. She can't be tried again, regardless of what they think. And they clearly did not prove their case to a jury. And she is entitled to the same presumption of innocence that any of the three of us are. I mean, okay, not not Kimberly, but you and I. Yeah, obviously. Yes, there we go. Yeah. And uh, for them to bring charges against her again, I mean, it would be a different charge. I don't know what that would be. I mean, they're they're still looking at it in the sense that they're, they haven't closed the case and they are, you know, I'm sure they would listen if somebody walked in with new evidence.
And it couldn't have been, I'm sorry, there was a boyfriend that Anne had, sort of a, a boyfriend at the time, or had had that boyfriend. Um, there was a guy that she was spending a lot of time with. Maybe not a boyfriend? Whether or not they were involved is a question that is debated by everybody in the... Oh, got it. I mean, Scott, the, the, the deceased husband, he certainly thought so. The police certainly thought so. The kids thought so. Yeah. The The... The wife and the guy himself, who was married, I think, said no. And there wasn't really any, there wasn't any evidence to prove that. I mean, there weren't like, you know, receipts of hotel stays. There wasn't any security video of them, you know, kissing or cuddling or anything like that. But he was uh, at the house that day or the day they found the house. He was at the house with her that day. They didn't come out when the cops were in. Um, oh, so they were upstairs. They were there. So but the, the cops never went locked. upstairs to check. The cops did. The cops did, but they didn't. They didn't take down any doors that were locked because, you know, they're only doing a welfare check. The rules are different for that. Right, 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 right. See if somebody is okay, and the person they're looking for is Scott. That's who they're doing the welfare check on. Right. So it's not like we're entitled to examine every single person in the house. We're looking for Scott Moore to see if okay. it's okay. Right. They called his name and they said police, and nobody came out. And Anne said, Anne's, the wife's response to that was, um, I mean, through her attorney, she told us this, that uh, she was, you know, at, at loggerheads with her daughter, um, and she knew her daughter was there, so she thought the wise thing was not to come out um, and get into a fight with the daughter right in front of the cops, so gotcha. she just stayed back, and eventually the cops went away. Um, so you can... So that seemed fascinating to us, that, like, that she was there the entire day. Letting the dogs pee all over the floor. We were just like, what's going on? Yeah. If the cops come to your house and they're in your home and they're yelling, you know, police, anybody here. Yeah. You come down. Yeah. Right? I mean, I would. Here, I don't know what you, you pop I'll, your head I'll, out. Hi, what's up? If only to say, yeah, I don't, the person you're looking for, I don't know where he is. I don't yeah. have anything for him. But that's also must speak to the fact of how many times the cops had been to the house that she was just like, all right, okay, whatever. They're here with, with Kelly. So I think the number of times that they'd had contact with law enforcement was... I mean, we, we, whatever number we said it was in the story, which was, I think, 30-something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it was even more than that. I think there were many, many more things that weren't logged um, or were logged as part of other visits. So they'd come twice in one day, and they only wrote it down once. I mean, there was a lot of visiting of that house by law enforcement, and that house became sort of the focal point of that divorce and then also sort of of our story. So we call it the house. I mean, they were fighting over the house. Scott's kids urged him to just walk away from it. Like, just give it to her. Go. That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't want to. He put a lot of himself into that. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. You know, Anne was quoted by a neighbor or by a friend, um, as a friend of Scott's is saying that, uh, you know, I don't want it, but I'm going to keep it away from him. I, I, I you know, mm-hmm. um, sort of just out of spite, she was doing that. Her response to that was, I was just trying to get what's rightfully mine. I've been married for a long time. This house is partly mine. Right. I'm not going to give up a claim to something that, that, that should rightfully be mine. So that's what it was about. But I mean, it is it definitely that, that house was definitely sort of the rope in this big tug of war. I think oh, it was yeah. also like the focal point of the neighborhood. It seemed like everyone had their cameras fixated yeah. on that house. We wanted to ask you about 24/7. that. Like, that's, a, that's an interesting question, which is like, how much stress would you have yeah. to cause for your neighbors for them to be videotaping you, yes. recording you, and pointing their security cameras at you? Because, like, I look outside right. the window here in Los Angeles. I'm looking at my neighbor's house. I don't know their names. Yeah. I don't know who's married to who or what right. job they have or anything. 
I mean, I barely recognize them. So, I mean, how how much contact would you have to have mm -hmm. and how loud must it have been in that house right. for all the neighbors to have sort of formed opinions, rightly or wrongly, about what was going on there? Because clearly that, that house was was not just any other house on the street. It, right. Everybody knew who lived there and everybody knew they had issues. The best, yeah, we've never seen anything like no, that on daylight. No, so much footage. Uh -uh. The, our favorite was the neighbor holding up the camera phone and um, and saying, um, she said, well, it doesn't seem to me like your husband is that bad. And she goes, I know, because you're stupid. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> when you saw that footage, how yeah. excited were you? <laughs> Shocking. This was a really interesting story in a couple of ways. And one of the things that's, that's interesting about this, this is the second story that I've done in the last year. The first being the story of... Uh, Chasey Pointer down in Texas oh, on yes. the dirt road in the middle of the night, mm -hmm. in which primarily all the access that we had to the person who ended up being the defendant in the story was all through material that police body cams generated. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, so there was this huge debate when body cams came out, is it, you know, a good thing or a bad thing? And, and those debates were always couched in you know, they will reveal that cops are brutal and corrupt, or they will expose that cops are not brutal and corrupt and that those charges are BS. And so that sort of went back and forth. But unspoken or unaddressed in all of that was the issue of all the material that's going to provide that has nothing to do with the behavior of the officers, mm -hmm. uh, that has to do with the behavior of the people who are captured on the video. And so Chasey Pointer didn't talk to us in Texas. Her attorneys didn't even talk to us. She's the one that cries hysterically in the ambulance with the... <laughs> yeah. it's, like, it's like an improv class. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. And, um, and she, uh, she eventually ended up giving an interview to, uh, to Brand X, to one of the competitors. And uh, uh, I but both had, Katie and I are like, what? We had everything that we needed from that body cam footage. Yeah. You know, and uh, and Jessica Devera, who produced that for us, is a, just an ace producer. I kept saying, if we don't get her, I don't see how we can do it. He's like, she's Jessica was like, no, don't worry about it. We're Trust good. Me. We have we have everything we need because she'd seen the body cam footage, and that told you the whole story. I mean, you don't need an interview with her because you can see I mean, she rolls out her whole story to the cops, mm -hmm. and when uh -huh. she's getting stitched up for the mm -hmm. paramedics, and they're bandaging her, she's got blood all over her. It's her husband's blood. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You can see her story evolve mm -hmm. Take down the arena. I, I heard a noise. I didn't know what it was. I saw a shadow. I saw a person, but I didn't know who it was. Okay, I didn't know who it was. It was the guy I've been dating. I mean, <laughs> and that's all from body cam footage. And this house, just like just like the story of Chasey, we didn't have Ann Allen. She teased us along for months and months and months. Did she? She wanted to talk. That she wanted to tell her story because by the time we would have interviewed her, she'd been found innocent. She's like, no, I want to clear my name. To which I said, good, let's do that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely do that. And her attorney, uh, Lauren, who was interviewed in the um, uh, in the story, um, I think wanted her to do it too. I think because, again, she's been acquitted. So she was going to do it. And she kept putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. And then finally, sort of right as we were at the point where we like kind of needed, you know, sort of to say put up or shut up because we got to start shooting this story. Um and we started shooting other parts of the story, like we we're interviewing, you know, police and uh, neighbors and friends and family members and stuff. And finally, Anne said no. And then we realized, okay, well, then the only access to her is from this 
body cam footage from Laurel Police, but that tells you a great deal. And then after we'd done that, then we sort of started looking around and we found also that, you know, the phone message, you know, where she calls her husband a man whore. Mm-hmm. To the neighbor, just mm-hmm. on a, for, for what? Yeah. Where, where the, the neighbor says, your husband doesn't seem like such a bad guy. And she says, that's because you're stupid. Uh, <laughs> so, so you know, which, you know, now here's the interesting thing. We brought this up in the, in the Dateline Hour, but I don't know if it, uh, I'm not sure it registered with anybody. The way the Maryland Criminal Code is written, all of the sort of back and forth and the fighting, all the police visits, all of that was inadmissible in the trial. Right. So they didn't see the hundreds of police reports or dozens of police reports. The jury didn't see that. They didn't see the video where Ann says, you know, that's because you're stupid they didn't hear the phone message. The argument of prosecutors is that uh, jurors didn't get a complete picture of what was happening in that house and in that marriage. Mm-hmm. And this is not unusual, and this happens in a lot of cases. A lot of cases, as you also know, are won or lost long before the trial during, you know, motions. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of that stuff that, that you know, seemed maybe more damning to some people um, never appeared in the trial. And so the jury didn't know anything about it. So she's that's just what, out there living her life. I just wish she talked. If she talked, I think she would have, because of all of the other thing, the outside things, the neighbor, the phone, the message, the video. I feel like honestly, having an interview probably would have helped her. It's a shame she didn't do it. Would have helped her at least tell her side. You know, that's what I say to everybody, which is, yeah. you know, look, I'm. We're going to go ahead with this, whether you participate or not. If you don't participate, don't think that that means that this is going to keep your story off the air. It's not. And in that, when we do that telling on the air of your story, I will try to be as fair to you as I possibly can. And I will include every piece of of exculpatory information that comes out. You know, if you have an alibi, I'll certainly mention that. If you say that you're the kind of person who could never commit murder, I will quote you as saying that. Mm-hmm. But I'm not ever going to be able to go, do as good a job of that as you can. That's what I will say to people. Like, mm-hmm. if you really want your side of the story told, mm-hmm. then you tell it. Because at least when it's over, you won't be angry at me. You know, you had your shot. Mm-hmm. And one of the questions we ask ourselves every time we finish with a story is, what is, insert name of Dateline character, going to say when this thing runs? Are they going to say, I told you this, this, and this, and you didn't put them in? And if that's true, then we make sure that we we have them in. One of the things that makes Dateline work sort of in a macro way is that we challenge everybody, not just the sympathetic characters. I mean, not just the not just the person who's cast as the bad guy, but also the sympathetic characters. Mm-hmm. Also, yep. the, the cops, the prosecutors, the friends, everybody. I mean, that's that's why it works. We would have challenged Anne, too, but we also would have put in any denials that she had and we would have let her explain why it looked to some people like she was spiteful and wanted to keep the house away from her husband, even though uh, she didn't really want it herself. And that would be a question that that I would have liked to have heard her answer. Right. I think that there's, I mean, I think Dateline does an excellent job of not being one-sided, of showing the whole thing as much as they can. The problem was in this case, all of 
you had all of this other stuff that was not good for her. So she really did kind of need to be there. She needed to be able to say something. Spoke with two of her attorneys. I mean, her criminal attorney and then her divorce attorney who ended up joining the... That's right. Oh, that was strange. Yeah. But that woman really knew her and liked her and trusted her. I think that went both ways. I mean, Andy Jezik, her criminal attorney, is very good. Mm. Really? Okay. Look, I'm, I think I've said this before on uh, previous editions of Date Dateline. <laughs> Money spent on competent criminal defense mm -hmm. is never wasted. Mm -hmm. No. Mm -mm. Um, can we jump to another episode where someone had a, a louder-than-life um, defense attorney? This was an old episode. I'm not sure how much you remember of it, but we covered it for Thanksgiving. It was <laughs> Missing in Paradise, <laughs> where we got a manky in um, polo shirts, khakis, barefoot on the beach. Oh, uh, 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 Robin Gardner, yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Do you uh, remember that trip? Was it? Did you get to have any margaritas, or was it all work, no play? Uh, it was Aruba. Yes. Aruba is so poisonously hot and humid that I didn't even want to go outside. <gasps> really? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure other times of the year maybe it's great, but it, when we were there, man, it was. I mean, to me, maybe this is just because you know I've become a big softy because I live in Los Angeles, where you know the weather's pretty nice all the time, but. But, you know, like, there's a point at which a wonderful tropical environment can become so humid that I, I just can't think about anything else. Yeah. You know, I mean, Florida is a mm -hmm. perfect example. Like, like, part of the year, it's great. And then part of the year, it's so humid, it doesn't matter how beautiful it is. Like, I don't even want to get out of the car. So Aruba was so hot. We were shooting that stuff on the beach. This was our one shot or one of our couple of shots at doing cold cases, which we usually don't do. And that episode only ran one time. Amazing. Uh, yeah. Oh, it's really? such a good episode. Well, because it didn't have an ending. Um, yeah. This guy, uh, Gary Giordano, um, met up with um, uh, this woman, Robin Gardner. They live in the D.C. area. I think they met in some online way. Mm -hmm. um, sort of, I'm not going to say it was like a swingers bulletin board, but it was something looking for people, yeah. people who were looking for fun connections. We were wondering and, if yeah. there was a sugar daddy type situation there. No, no, no. Yeah. I think they didn't know each other before they decided to go do this. Huh. He already had some free tickets and he had some miles. Oh, right. Uh, so I think the, the trip was like, like either maybe not paid for, but mostly paid for. And so they sort of hit it off. They went down there and they appear to have had a pretty nice time. And then they went um, snorkeling. And then his story was that a, a wave uh, knocked him over, and then she didn't come up. And he looked for her, and he was all frantic. And and again, security, security footage. Security footage. He was not frantic. He was he was like he, mall walking, like browsing yeah. in this mall. I have to say, it was hard to get frantic out of looking at that footage. He then hired the uh, reviled by many people, yes. but also but also retained by many people, yes. and the extremely talented Jose Baez. Jose Baez. Mm -hmm. Oh boy. Um, who. Either he had nothing to do with it and he's telling the truth and he's not guilty or, um, you know, got some got him got him um, out of harm's way mm -hmm. because, uh, yeah, Mr. Giordano was never charged with that murder or as far as I know with any other. And wow. he was so uh, argumentative with you in that interview. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Just mm -hmm. kind of all raising his voice like, well, that's not you're going to have to ask them about that. Yeah, that's right. I remember we were, we were butting heads on that. Um 
Wait, did he just gotten off the plane or something? He came into the interview. What was it? It was something interesting. He was held in Aruba, but then he was let. Oh, yeah, yes, he, he hadn't was... slept for like four days. And then the interview something. was like right after he came back. Well, the, the, there, were, there were a couple of things going on in this case. One was that, yeah. you know, he claimed that he, you know, met this woman, gone to Aruba with her. They had this very casual relationship. It wasn't a long time, long-term boyfriend-girlfriend thing. They go snorkeling. She doesn't come up. He looks for her. He can't find her. He doesn't know what happened to her. He calls the police. That was part of it. And so there was a whole question as to whether or not he'd had anything to do with her disappearance. But the mm-hmm. other part of that, um, and, uh, and I don't think she's ever been found, as far as I know. I'm pretty sure she hasn't. Really? The other part of that was that he had insured her. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. before the trip with American Express travel insurance. Traveler's insurance. Which was a really strange thing to do for somebody that you, like, barely know. Yeah, right. The story was, it's part of the whole travel insurance thing. It's part of the whole umbrella, uh-huh. you know, you know, like if you, you know, a storm delays you and you have to fly back first class, you know, you'll you'll get reimbursed for some of the okay. of this, right? He's claiming was that the insurance was all sort of part and parcel of this travel insurance thing. But mm. then a very short period of time after she disappeared, he called American Express and was yes. like, hey, that woman I insured the other day, she's dead. Where's I think my he was still car? in Aruba when he called them. I think he was. And he... Uh, That's bad form. <laughs> that was part of why he was under, Poor taste. under... And then he went back and forth and back and forth with American Express. Um, I oh, mean, he they tried were, to sue them, I think. Oh, yeah, he for sued the, them. For the money. Him or, I can't remember exactly how that happened, but I believe, and again, I'm 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 gonna admit I'm not 100 percent sure about this. I mm-hmm. believe that he did not ever get the money. But he also has not been convicted of a crime as a right. result of so, it. Okay, well that's good. That's but, a win for him. And he's facing no charges. In this episode, we had one of our biggest OMG moments ever, which was the reveal of the Dateline Unsolved Case Squad. Yes. Unofficial late- or official. Yeah. Is there a uniform? Is there a secret handshake? Are you guys the Illuminati? And can we join? Um, um, what's the application process? I would say that the Unsolved Case Squad has now expanded to include all viewers of Dateline. Because, <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> yeah. um, I think you guys might be the, the, the lieutenants in charge of that. Oh, oh good. Okay, Sergeant in Arms. I like yeah, that. I think so. Um, yeah, it. Uh, you know, we don't usually do unsolved cases. Although I do have one in the hopper that's coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the only thing I have that's done that hasn't aired yet. Uh, and it's a, a case, uh, we, we finished it and we were gonna, we were, I'm not gonna tell you what case it was, but it was, uh, uh, it's a case that everybody in that town, in that area, in that part of the country knows the name. And they know, well, like if you say John Benet Ramsey, everybody knows mm-hmm. the details of the case. And people, I mean, uh, women uh, would say to me, oh, I, I remember my mom keeping me off the playground after that. So a cold case, um, it's a murder, and police are convinced that if they show us one particular piece of evidence in this long cold case, that somebody will call in and somebody will quite possibly provide an answer. Somebody who maybe didn't call in before maybe because they were they were afraid. Wow. So we are waiting to air that. I, don't, I, I think that's coming in. I think it's coming in June. Oh, I want to know what it is. I'm excited. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm happy to come back and talk about it when we get a little closer. Um, but um, it's 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 all done. And I think the idea is that at the end of it, and I think this is one of those things in which the pandemic is going to play a role. The idea was that I was going to be um, live in the city where it's happening. 
Wow. We would be there when the when presumably the episode airs and people start calling because there's going to be a lot of calls because everybody remembers that story. Wow. Well, I got goosebumps. <laughs> this is great. By the time this airs, mm-hmm. is it going to be safe to travel? Right. Is it going to be safe to travel there? Right. Will that police department be ready for... Um, you know, us to put this phone number on TV because they're going to have to have extra a people. Ton of staff, it's not a yeah. big so, and they may be busy with all kinds of other stuff at that point. So we're right. sort of trying to adjust to see whether um, uh, what what it uh, yeah. how it plays out because it may end up just being an all on tape hour like a lot of day ones. But wow. I think it's going to run in, in in mid to late June. And the evidence that's being shown has never been seen before, or it's not known in a wide circle. It's been. I think they. I think they talked about it in a press conference many, many years ago. Again, this is not our doing. This is the the police, the local department there is convinced that a nationwide airing of this piece of evidence will help their case. May may very well generate somebody to call in and say, I recognize that it was, you know, that item was in my cousin's house, you know. That's great. Hopefully that works out. This is not our solving the case. This would be that department solving. So no, but the unofficial unsolved case squad then has been disbanded with Yolanda. Yeah, Yolanda and Dwayne and uh, most recently in the Aruba case, John Lewin. John Lewin, yeah. Who Katie never recognizes in every episode. I have face blindness for him. I can't. (laughs) Yeah, he's been in a lot and I just, you know, every time. John Lewin never fails, whenever we talk, um, John Lewin never fails to mention that I am seen in a shot in that, uh, in, in that episode in which I'm walking down the beach and I've rolled up my pant yes. leg so the, uh, the bottoms of my oh, trousers won't get wet. Right. And he says, uh, whenever we talk, he says to me, so are you wearing capri pants on the next story too? <laughs> just not gonna let it go no that makes me like him so much more not that i didn't already but now i really do it's really he's he's the greatest and uh i don't know how the durst case is gonna come out i mean i can tell you he's about the last person in the country i would want pursuing me if i'd done something wrong yeah yeah but all that gets pushed right people just have to stay in jail for indefinitely now sorry i uh i had the tv in the other room paused and finally it it stopped (laughs) paused and it started playing what are you watching these days that was we really want to know um i have one um okay i'm uh, i'm I'm watching i mean i'm watching bosch on yes your favorite yes i just finished watching the morning show on uh, apple plus which was i thought very good i was very fortunate i've discovered uh, this is that i didn't watch law and order when it was on i was not a fan of the original series law and order so when you say many, originally on like it's on all the time every channel well i mean when it was on starting in like 1990 okay right um i was still working in new york then i was in local tv and i just it just wasn't one of the things that i recorded or regularly watched i mean i was aware that it was part of the tv landscape but i just didn't didn't watch it there's like 400 and something episodes yeah. of that and it many 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 of them i've never seen before so i'm watching a lot of that the original, not SVU. And one of the things that I see is that episodes, episodic, dramatic, scripted TV show written in like 1990 or 1991, so like, you know, 30 years ago or almost, is better written, better plotted, more suspenseful, uh, and keeps you guessing mm-hmm. better than a ton of stuff that is now on TV. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's good. 
-hmm. And I remember years ago telling Dateline that we we shouldn't do, we shouldn't pursue murders in which the obvious suspect ends up being the guilty party. And that mm -hmm. what we should be looking for is the law and order template, yes. which is, you know, you find the person's dead and you start an investigation. And then pretty quickly it points at this person. And then it points back at that person. Mm -hmm. And then it points back at a third person. And then maybe at a fourth person. And then, oh, it turns out it was the next door neighbor mm -hmm. out of everything. None of that other stuff mattered. Mm -hmm. Good night. And mm -hmm. that's how it ends. And cases like that, and they're out there. I mean, you know, because you've seen them on Dateline. Those are far more interesting to tell and better for the audience than who could have killed, you know, Mary. Could it be her husband, Bill, who didn't have an alibi and was found covered in blood and said he blacked out? <laughs> Well, okay, you know, and he had an order of protection. I mean, it, you know, if it's if it's him, that's a tough story to tell. If it's not mm -hmm. him, mm -hmm. then you got a great story. We're huge Law & Order fans. Um, our friends Rebecca Lavoie and Kevin Flynn have a podcast called These Are Their Stories, where they do kind of like what we do, and they dissect each episode. Um, and they do the all of the, uh, the criminal intent and the SVU and the original recipe, the original Law & Order. I got so into it that I, uh, on Amazon Prime, I paid for a season of a show that I completely missed, uh, only 13 episodes, called uh, Law & Order Trial by Jury. Right. Uh, oh. Some of these same people crossing yeah, over. Yeah, they but do. They keep their family of people. different team of prosecutors. Like, the DA is the same guy. But, mm -hmm. um, and uh, Jerry Orbach was in it for a little while, and mm -hmm. then he... And then Oh, fun. Um, I completely missed that, so I'm, I'm watching that on the... You're really into it. That's fun. Yeah, this is the greatest. I mean, I'm, you know, you know, I watch this stuff. I read books like that. You know, I read all, a lot of mysteries. And So, all right, so back to unsolved cases for a minute. So we've done a few unsolved cases, but... Yeah. But the problem is you end up... I mean, the last line of all of every Dateline unsolved case is... We don't know the answer. Right. We hope we're going to be able to supply the police with an answer because we mm -hmm. don't have it here and they don't have it yet. So, so help them out. And, and cue to everyone is, in across America screaming at you guys and throwing things at their TV. I mean, it's it, like people people want an answer. Yeah, they want to know. You know, you know, Bill was convicted. He's doing life. Good night. But what you're yeah. saying about your episode sounds a lot like um, where are the children because there wasn't really an answer for that at all or any resolution. And then after you guys aired it, it was a nice push. And then she got arrested right after. So at least right. got the ball moving or something's happening. Right. And then they just did, they just did more on it. Exactly. Um, Friday. Days ago. Yeah, this past yeah. Friday. Um, I haven't seen that episode yet, but I... I, I we still don't know where the children are. <laughs> no, I know Spoiler that. alert. Spoiler, yeah. <laughs> and I know. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's what keeps us from doing more cold cases, and I actually wish that we could do more because I think it would help departments. Uh, there's a lot of great stories out there that aren't being told because they don't have a last sentence. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe when you see this one that we're going to do in June, you'll see that we tried something different. Yeah. I'm not going to go into too much. We did it a little... We, it's, not, it's not told like a dateline hour. That's it's very cool. different. Do you feel like there's enough cold cases that it could actually be something that's not specifically Dateline, but Dateline colon missing oh, or colon. something like that, where you could actually start a new series that's like a sister series to Dateline where it's only cold cases? I think we're going to need to see how this one works and, and whether it, one, whether it helps, whether it mm -hmm. helps law enforcement, uh, two, how it, how it does with the audience, whether people like it or whether they feel sort of betrayed that there isn't an answer at the end. I think that we... In this in this way that we're doing it, 
Uh, I mean, this story is is different than um, you'll see. It's different from a lot of. It's not a typical Dateline hour. I mean, it is Dateline, but it's not laid out like the hours that you you guys are used to. That's interesting. I'm excited. And so and so we'll see whether it whether whether that format maybe lends itself to the telling of cold cases uh, a little better. But it doesn't involve the. Uh, the old unsolved case squad. I do miss them though. Well, because speaking- we'll talk to Dwayne and Yolanda sometimes. Love Yolanda so much and miss her on Cold Justice. But same with Cold Justice when they didn't tell you if it was an unsolved one or not. Like sometimes they got a resolution and sometimes they don't, and you never right. find out until the end, and then right. you scream at your TV. I would have preferred if they had like a little symbol on the side of the screen at the beginning right. that would be like like, like, like that. Yeah, thumbs, you know, up, like, thumbs down. Yeah. We got them. Or, or just nope. a person doing this. You might want to skip it if you're feeling yeah. frustrated yeah. already. Sorry. But she's amazing. Huge fan of hers. So I was thrilled to see her on the Dateline. Um, quickly, we had two specific questions from, again, two older episodes, 2014 and 2015. 2014 is Deadly Denial with Raven. And, his, and Vanessa what, Pond. Yeah, and Vanessa Pond, who Kimberly thinks is very... Pretty. Um, elegant and lovely. Um, and she was. So in that episode, you are going to an indoor soccer, like, oh, soccer yeah. arena. It's very short interview. We realize that we don't know what sports you like. Do you like any sports? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was so short of an interview. It was literally you asked him. So he seemed normal that time. And then the soccer player goes, yeah, totally normal. And that was it's it. It's his friend and, Jason Smalls. Yeah. And Katie. Yeah. Yes, Jason. Smalls, Katie and I were like, did they make Josh go all the way to the soccer field for just that one two sentence exchange or was he like into soccer and he's like i'll go sure no yeah. um it would have been well first of all any interview which you just see a little snippet of it went on a lot longer That's than that figured, but the, yeah. now that probably got trimmed down to make room for something else at the end because i remember ah. thinking that we didn't we didn't quite those are the interviews in which putting me in this is a debate we continually have on dayline uh, at least i continually have this is a, an issue of whether or not it's really worth it to see me asking the question. Right, because uh, sometimes the, we don't. The, the amount of time that, uh, that, that I eat up with the question, I frequently think would be better spent, again, because TV is a finite, there's exactly 60 minutes or 120 minutes. Um, that might, those, those, those 12 seconds that I ask the question and his four-second answer, I'd almost rather have a 16-second answer from him. Mm-hmm. Um, so... So when I said, I mean, what I think is that he might not have said in one coherent piece, um, he came that night, he came a lot of nights, but that night was like anything else. He did not seem weird. He didn't seem upset. He played soccer. He said, hi, he left. Mm -hmm. If he'd said that, we probably wouldn't use my question. Sometimes when people, you know, people get a little intimidated by being interviewed on TV, Mm -hmm. particularly when they know that it's going to be in front of the whole country. So sometimes you got to kind of pull answers out of them, which is probably what I was doing there. Right. There we go. Okay. But, but how do you I... feel about soccer? Yeah, and do you like soccer? I never played soccer. Um, I, I only the only thing I ever played was uh, was football, and I played that in high school. And I, um, um, it's really the only sport I follow. I don't follow basketball or baseball or hockey mm-hmm. or soccer or anything else. So you do follow football? I do follow football. I was a great okay. big. Uh, Los Angeles Rams fan for about 30 years. And then when they left, I sort of stopped paying attention to football. And then when they came back, you know, what, 20 years later, 
Um, I came, I, I had a little trouble reconnecting. Mm. Um, I was not, it was not the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, because when you take yeah. 20 years off, it's not, you're not going to step right back in. No. So, I mean, I guess it's, you know. That, have that, they I'm, changed or have you changed? Well, yeah, I think what, what, what happens when you're, um, I mean, I remember thinking back in 1995, wow, you're an idiot. Like, like you were thinking about them all the time, and they were <laughs> never thinking about you. It was always about them. You don't you know, know that they didn't think about you. <laughs> they didn't call. They didn't write. <laughs> I subscribed way before the Internet. I subscribed to a newsletter once a week that came about the Rams. This is why I lived in the East. So, um, In New York, where I worked for a number of years before I came to California, um, of course, because of uh, there was no you know direct TV NFL package, so you were watching whatever the local TV the local team was. So in New York, you're watching the Giants on the CBS station and the Jets on the NBC station, and you were never seeing the Rams unless they happened to play the Giants or the Jets. So on Sundays, I would go into work at CBS, although I was not scheduled to work, and I would sit at my desk in the newsroom and I would call Master Control and I would tell them to find the Rams game and send them to send it to my little my little TV <laughs> on my desk. That's basic. That's commitment. At my desk, yeah. That was some commitment. Um, yeah, I uh, I have here in my bookcase, I'm looking for it right now, I have, uh, I have you know, Deacon Jones and Roman Gabriel's um, uh, and Pat Hayden's uh, autobiographies. Still, signed. Um, Love it. Big fan. And I'm less of a fan now, but I'm still an NFL fan. Now, who knows whether they're going to have a season this year? Yeah. Don't. Yeah, right? I You've know. never played fantasy football. I didn't because that, that eats up a great deal of your time. Yes, I, my dad plays was, it basically full-time. I don't have that kind of time anymore. Fantasy football had been around when I was in you know, college and like the next 10 years after college. I would have been super big into that. One more question from now from 2015. This is the episode called Troubled Waters with Eric Beckler oh, yeah. and a woman named Tina K. Yeah, Tina knew. Yeah, yeah, Tina knew. Yes, I talk, to her. I talk to her every now and then. She's doing very well. So, and also there was a mom in that episode, Eric Beckler's mother, Linda. I don't know if you remember her. She was kind of like Mickey part two. Oh, I do. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh, I do. Yeah, she was very unhappy that anybody was charging her boy. Look. Oh, yeah, she said baloney. Baloney! Not you. You got a baloney out of her. That's an underused term. It's like malarkey. Yes, I like that. It really is. She said malarkey. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, look, look. This happens a lot of times when we interview parents. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to believe that they raised a monster. Right. No. Uh, nobody wants to believe that that little kid that they, you know, diapered and bathed and, you know, took to school is yeah. capable of murder. I Believe me, I get that. You know, the, the, the great thing about that story um, was, you know, Tina knew who was like almost homeless when she hooked up with Eric Beckler mm-hmm. and then like immediately began, you know, sleeping with him and living with him and, you know, and, and being with him all, all the time and depending on him for her very existence. When she realized that the story he told her was not the story he told the police. And she didn't realize that for a long time until she accidentally saw a videotaped interview that he had done at the mm-hmm. time. Um, mm-hmm. uh, she did the right thing. She did. <laughs> yeah, she bravely wore a wire. In- yeah, she, yeah. She, she did. Yeah, I mean, she didn't just do the right thing. She went above and beyond. And she uh, she turned out to be made of uh, uh, smarter and sharper and more moral stuff than a lot of people gave her credit for. Yeah. Uh, that was also, by the way, a Jessica DeVera episode. Um, one of the 
unsung heroes. Well, we're huge fans of hers. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's Um, one of our favorites. But in one part of this episode led us to the question, do you own a boat? No, I do not own a boat. No, Joey and I were out on a boat in that. That's right. You were on a boat. Right. Um, You looked comfortable on a boat. You looked comfortable. You looked like you could have a boat. It was a uh, thank you. Um, It was (laughs) a... uh, uh, I, I I do have that, uh, you know, um, yachtsman, yachtsman type look. Thurston Howell, Captain Stubing blazer, you know, right? <laughs> yes, yeah. I love buttons. That lends yeah. itself to a pocket square, I think. Yeah. Yes, it does. Oh my, and an ascot. More likely than yeah. that. The kind where you actually have to like sail it yourself. I don't think you want to meet anything to do with that, um, unless you want to like, you know, you know, wind up you know, thousands of miles off course. Right. Um, then you're on dateline for all other reasons. <laughs> but like lounging on a boat in a blazer. That's lounging, lounging I'm good at like anywhere, yeah. land or <laughs> um but uh yeah, we were on a police launch on that, a super high powered boat. And the sea oh. was it wasn't exactly like glass. It was kind of rough that day. And so it's like pounding over the waves. Mm-hmm. Jessica and I are grabbing onto the boat. I mean, we're wearing we're wearing life jackets, but still, yeah. like it was you're being thrown back and forth. Oh, it was wow. like a, uh, yeah, that was not a that uh, was not a relaxing trip. So if I looked um, if I looked casual uh, and, and lounging, I was definitely not. No, it's actually very short that you're on the boat. Most of the time when we see you talking, it's on a dock. But then the boat is actually very short. Yeah, we interviewed yeah. the sheriff's detective on the dock. You remember uh, so much of these. I know, it's weird, right? Oh, it's great. Yeah, I did. I know, I do not have a boat and I've never had a boat. So you don't own Mankey Beach, the one in Aruba? Because that was another question. Oh, What's yeah. Mankey Beach? I don't know. It was in the episode in Aruba and we pondered, could it be his beach? There's a beach called Mankey Beach? Yeah, I think it's M-A-N-K-E-Y. Really? Mm-hmm. Could it be in the Mankiewicz family and they never told you about it? It's one of those things that we could have owned and then sold at a loss. That's a lot of, <laughs> you know, and then like, and then like the next week the Hilton was built on it. That's, yeah, there you go. That's sounds like my family. But um, uh, um, no, I don't, uh, I don't remember Mankey. I don't remember Mankey Beach. Um, that's where the, where she disappeared? Uh, well, there was a baby beach too, like, um, and I think it was next door, maybe. Uh, yeah, I don't remember that, but the, no, we do not own any uh, beachfront property. Um, do you see no, the I, things we we wonder about? You, I, TV I do. Folks? I like that. The thing to do is, I, I think the the trick is to have friends who have boats. Yes, that's exactly right. Actually, work on one yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I've heard that it's just kind of a nightmare to own a boat. Like you have to pay the docking fees and there's all this like extra stuff. So you want someone else to do that. Yeah. Benson, I think it's a ton of work. Yes, it because is. You want your boat to be, you know, clean and seaworthy and safe. Right. You know? mm-hmm. So maybe if you live on the boat, it's OK. But unless you're ready for that houseboat life. I don't yeah. see living on a boat. Maybe just get a friend with a boat. All right. Is there anything coming up in the next couple of weeks that you know of besides the podcast, which we're very excited about for Dateline episodes, or are we just waiting for the one that's a little farther off? I don't know what's coming in the next few weeks because I think we're, if we're not at the end of our original material, uh, we're pretty close. Um, And then we're going to have to figure out what to do, whether we're going to show reruns or how we're going to get out there and and start start shooting new ones. But the problem is, of course, you know, shooting new episodes is not just up to us. It's also up to 
you know, local governments and when we feel it's safe to fly. And also, most importantly, the sense of safety and security among people who we interview. You know, like I very much doubt we're going to be able to, you know, get into a prison now to interview anybody. Oh, right. You know, mm -hmm. um, there's all kinds of internal rules right now at NBC News to keep people safe as to where you can interview them and under what conditions. And so, you know, Dateline interviews are frequently, you know, two, three, four hours long. That's something we've all got to sort of work out, sort of how what we do translates to this new reality. And I don't think we've quite done it all yet. Mm. But, you know, Dateline will we'll be back. We'll be back with new stuff. I just don't know exactly when. And what about just an hour of you four with just showing hidden talents? Just you at your home camera, then Andrea and Dennis and Keith. What What do you think? Doing the little team, the Brady like Bunch band. heads, That's, like so zoom, now, you know? So now, like, okay. So what about the other fifty-one minutes of the hour? <laughs> <laughs> Who's filling right. up those nine? Point taken. All of you. Who has the most that would fill up those nine? Um, I mean, don't you think it's Keith? I mean, right? Yeah, maybe. Doesn't Dennis play a musical instrument, though? Dennis does. Dennis plays the guitar. Oh. So that's a good 20 minutes. Yeah. That's easy. Yeah. It's your choice how you fill your 20 minutes, but everybody gets, I feel like. <laughs> the slow 20 minutes, yeah. Um, Have you talked to anybody? Have you talked to Keith or Andrea? Or oh, yeah, yeah. We, uh, we're, we're, we're all having these Zoom calls all the time. I was talking to Dennis and Andrea the other day, and I talked to Keith the other day in a separate uh -huh. Oh, everybody's doing okay. You know, Andrew's yeah. up there. Andrew's with her kids in New York. You know, Dennis is uh, at home in Florida. People are loving your guys' daily announcements of what the date is. Katie's oh, not really? on social media, but it, they'll do, it'll be like, I'm Josh Mankiewicz, and today is Tuesday. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, because one day does tend to run into another these days, definitely. Yeah. Uh, that was, oh, yeah. That was the brainchild of Susan Nall, who runs our social team. She's amazing. Greatest. It's really funny. That's clever. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that everybody's safe. We're really glad that you're safe. Yeah. No, we're all good. We're all good. And I hope everybody else is too. I'm glad to see you guys are. Yeah. We're hanging in. Is there anything that you want to say to the Date with Dateline listeners? Uh, please, um, uh, please check out the podcast, the first two episodes of which come out on Thursday, May the 7th. And it's called Motive for Murder. Mm-hmm. And you can subscribe, and then you can download it, and then you can rate it, yes. which is very important. Very important. Five stars. We yes, tell them this all the time, but maybe they'll listen to you. Yeah. five. I don't think it's going to take much. Five stars. I'm so excited. I you guys already stars. have five stars, by the way, just on the little teaser that's up. And there's reviews. I can't wait. That's the review. It's going to be good. I, I, really, I, I particularly want to hear from the two of you what you think of the podcast. So let me know after... Uh, no, you heard, don't. Uh, few no. Episodes. no, I really do. I need to hear from the pros. <laughs> oh, probably. What did you call us when we first logged on? The Daughters of Dateline. The Daughters of Dateline. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a t-shirt, too. Yeah. Daughters that, of Dateline. Yeah. Our <laughs> we'll merch never forget is just that. going through the roof now. Uh, well, Ooh. thank you so much. We just think you're the best, and we're so happy to talk to you anytime. No, I think you guys are the best. Thank you. I love being on here with you guys always. Yay. Thank, thank you. you. Take care. Uh, Take care. Everybody at home, stay safe. Yes, please. Bye. Bye.